This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast. My name is Shane Told. I am your host. Today we have an amazing show. I sit down with my friend Dan Campbell from The Wonder Years, affectionately known as Soupy. And we recorded this interview in Toronto uh, at their show. Uh, they're on tour right now with Motion City Soundtrack. Um, and what was kind of interesting about this is I was trying to get Dan on the show for a while and um, I finally hit it off. I was like, you guys are going to be in Toronto. Let's do this. And we set up the interview when we were going to chat. And he's like, hey, man, do you want to play? And I'm like, well, what do you mean play? And he's like, well, I know you got some solo stuff going on. So, you know, would you like to uh, jump on the show? So I was like, of course, I'd love to do it. So it was kind of cool. It was like we were, you know, playing the same show, hanging out, you know, on the bus, having a conversation like two lead singers on tour would have. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Dan on the show is I find his lead singer personality, you know, very unique for this scene. You know, he doesn't get up there with long hair and tattoos and a leather jacket and he's like, fuck yeah, motherfuckers, let's do this. <laughs> you know, so that's different. But in a way, you know, he's just up there, he's being himself. And another thing about him is he has strong opinions and he doesn't mind making them known. But at the same time, I find sometimes he can be a bit guarded. So this interview was all about just talking to him about, you know, his opinions on things and, and trying to get him to open up. And I think we did a great job. Before we jump in, I want to remind you guys that my band Silverstein is on tour right now uh, with Census Fail, 100th and Capsize. It's a great tour across America, having so much fun. We're just a few days in. And if you guys are looking to come out, which you definitely should, you guys have to check out soundrink.com. That's soundrink.com. And what makes them special is they have the regular ticket links. You know, you can buy tickets for, you know, all your favorite shows. But they also do a lot of really cool VIP packages with a whole bunch of bands. So if you want to come out and you want to have a meet and greet with Census Fail and Silverstein, uh, we also have some really, really cool exclusive merch items. Uh, go to soundrink.com, check it out. There's some great stuff up there. And we'll see you at the shows. I also got to give a big thank you to everybody that listened to episode one of Lead Singer Syndrome with Caleb Shomo from Beartooth. Uh, it was a great interview and the feedback was so overwhelmingly positive. Thank you so much. Thanks for adding me on Twitter, Instagram, liking me on Facebook. All that stuff is super, super cool. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you go on to 
iTunes or whatever you use for podcasts and make sure you hit subscribe because that is super, super important too. Also, if you guys really like the show, if you could go on iTunes and write a review, preferably five stars, that would be tremendous as well. In fact, the praise was so overwhelming that I was actually a little bit bummed out. I only got one message on the lead singer syndrome hate line. Uh, so I want more hate. Give me your hate. Maybe after this one, we'll have a, have a little more hatred. So please give me a call at one 657 666-HATE. That is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast hate line. And please, really let me have it. I want to hear, I want to hear some hatred. Also, suggestions for the show, guests you'd like to see, email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. It's that easy. Send me an email and let me know what you'd love to see. Any feedback, I, I really, really, really appreciate it. All right, it's time for episode two of Lead Singer Syndrome and my conversation with Dan Soupy Campbell of The Wonder Years. So if you call me So we're here. We did it. Finally. We're, we made it. We've been talking about uh, chatting up on a podcast for a couple months now. Yes. Actually, yeah, like four or five months probably. And we're here in Toronto, of all places, which is cool. This is my hometown. One of my favorite cities. Is it really? I love Toronto. Why? It's got just this uh, cool, I mean, I don't know, the areas where we play, it's got this cool multicultural vibe. It, it feels does, like yes. certain parts of London to me. Um, okay where it's like ethnically diverse and there's just cool restaurants everywhere that are all locally owned. It's not a ton of um, like kind of like places. Yeah, it's not a whole lot of conglomerate. Um, I don't know. That's I just, true. It, I it, within this, the city, uh, the city of Toronto, that's true. And, I, and I know that it's like incredibly expensive to live here and there's all this uh, downside to it, I'm sure. But when I get to just come here for a day, I just get this vibe of like, it feels vibrant. I don't know. It feels diverse. Yeah. I, I mean, I've grown up here. And it's it's funny, you know, whenever you grow up in a place, I'm sure like there's parts things about Philadelphia. Like I love Philadelphia; it's one of yeah. my favorite cities. And there's I'm sure there's parts of Philadelphia that you're like, oh god, like, you know. But then you forget like what makes it great. Yeah, no, and what actually what's great now is that I lived in Philly for uh, a couple of years when we were making the upsides. I was living in Philly, and then when we started touring full time, originally it was like, well, I can't afford rent. I just can't. Yep. Um, so I moved all my stuff into storage and I slept on a mattress in my dad's basement for a while. And then my friend Richie was like, well, you can live at my house. And that was in the suburbs. So I lived in the suburbs for like four years. Yeah. And I just, I'm sorry, I burped. I don't know if I picked that up. You know what? We're going to have to edit that, man. This Damn, is lead dude. singer syndrome. And like, if they know that, that I you're burp, burping and shit, this is like, they could be the I end burp. of your career. It's over for me. Um, and then I, I just recently... I smell a fart too. Is that you? Probably, yeah. Okay. No, just keeping it real. Just doing what I got to do, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You're on a tour bus, so it just smells farty in general. I, I actually commented how great it smelled in here yeah, when I it's, walked in. I mean, it's but we're on, like day, we're on like day four? Day, well, like the, also the first two days we didn't take the bus because you can't take it to New York, really. Yeah, yeah. And we're close enough that we just drove cars. Like, I drove my own car to the show. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, so I moved back to Philly last yep, year. Yep. And it's just, it's the coolest city right now. Like, Philadelphia is the place, that if you're going to go somewhere in America, come to Philadelphia. We're on fire. The, the New York Times called it the number three place in the world you had to be this year. 
like every list of like cool U.S. cities has it at the top. It's the number two fastest growing city in America at the moment, and uh, well, it's always been one of my favorites. It's just and it's just getting cooler. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember. You know, it's funny because you say, "Oh, Toronto's so great." When I go to certain American cities, I always feel like they're quite a bit ahead of us. You know, like I, you know, I was vegan for a long time, and yeah. like, go to Philly. It's like the vegan mecca. Oh, you know? yeah, Philly's like, great like, for that. Things like like things like that, Blackbird and and, and, and in terms of like bars and and like finding the cool beer. Like Philadelphia has, you know, all the like West Coast stuff you can't get anywhere else in the country except at the breweries in the West Coast. Yeah, and they have it. Like, and we have great coffee. We have Reanimator. Right, we yeah. have Steep and Grind. Yeah. We have United by Blue. Uh, Old City Coffee, Menagerie. There's yes. a ton of we great have, coffee. Uh, we have a great place here called Tim Hortons. Oh, I've heard which, of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. They got this Tio's. dark roast now. That's uh, Josh no, actually I'm, was drinking it earlier and went, this is actually the worst coffee I've ever had in my life. Yeah. I mean, well, it's funny because I kind of like it just because I'm so used to it after drinking it pretty much that, my whole life. I think but, you guys make a – Tim Hortons makes a great hot chocolate. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had the hot chocolate there. I had There's another it, uh, place called Second Cup. They got great, cho- great hot chocolate. However, I have to say, people that are from Toronto listening to this yeah. are going to give me shit because there are great coffee shops here. I'm sure that there are. And there are great vegetarian restaurants. There are amazing But places. what you're saying is that they weren't here until more recently. Yeah, and it, it's bef- been... Early yeah. in your life, it was harder to find right. all of that. Um, That's right. I, I had a great cho- hot chocolate at a Tim Hortons in Kingston once. We were driving through. <laughs> oh God, Kingston. We were stuck in a snowstorm. We pulled over in Kingston, and I got a great hot chocolate to warm me up. All there is in Kingston. They say hookers and hockey players. All there is in Kingston. Is Kingston in Essex County? Uh, I don't know what county it's in. Okay. Um, there's, just, there's one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. It's called Essex County, and it's about, like, a farming county and I think that part of Canada... It, it's possible it is. I'm not sure. We're not as county-obsessed as, like, in the U.S. People are like, oh, no, that's L.A. County. That's Orange County. That's, oh, yeah. Like, I don't fucking know. Dude, what, that line is right there. I have right no idea what county... That line is right there at Seal Beach, and if you fuck with it, there's that's a problem. That's right, yeah. And I... I in, we're just into, uh, oh, this is my city, and... So we don't care about that shit, but... Anyway, let's jump into it, dude. I, I gotta ask you, um, it's football season. It is. And you are... You are a football fan. I love football. You may maybe, like... And, and I, I heard, I read somewhere you have eight fantasy football teams. Is this true? I am currently running eight fantasy football leagues. Well, I'm running seven and I'm in an eighth. Oh, my uh, God. And there is an explanation for that. I told fans this year that if they were willing to donate $40 to this charity called Rain, yep. that I would invite them to play fantasy football with me. Uh, and so they they sent me, we went back and forth on emails. They sent me their payment confirmations. It all went into the charity. We raised like $2,600, I think, for Rain oh, so in like 24 hours. Um, and I invited them all to play fantasy football with me. And I've been keeping up with it. Like, I, I'm pretty dominant. Um, <laughs> I think that this week I almost, I went seven and one across the eight leagues. I've never done worse than five and three. Wow. Um, it's been going really well. And, you know, there's like a shit talk board on there. So me and the guys on there, the girls on there, I'll talk some shit to each other. So you and... must be spending a lot of your time. Well, what's this. great is I that mean... when you're on tour, there's a good amount. I, I just, you know, I'll lay in my bunk and set my lineup. And there's a little exclamation point that says, like, someone said something. So if someone said something funny, I'll pop in and talk yeah, shit yeah, back. Yeah, sure. No, it's We had a good time drafting. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone, you know, with their sign-up fee, I sent them a signed copy of our record. Yep. And what's going to happen is the winners of each of the six leagues that are for charity. So there's also one league with uh, – or two leagues with just some friends. So there's six for charity and two with friends. Um, the winners of the six charity leagues are going to get a prize pack, and I'm going to invite them all to one of the one-week leagues. And the winner uh-huh. of that, 
like the champions bracket one week fantasy league will get a, a test press of the record. Oh, that's so good. That's so, really cool. It's a cool way to interact with fans and to find some common ground and uh, also do something great for charity and have a good time. Well, I'm in one league, and my first pick was uh, Marshawn Lynch, and my second pick what pick was uh, Des Bryant. So Damn, I'm dude. in a way here. Yeah. Uh, this and I'm uh, I believe no I won I've won my last two weeks so I okay. guess I'm uh, I You're guess I'm two upswing. and four. There's the thing that uh you know there's always this value based drafting strategy where it's like okay take the running backs early because yeah, well, they have so much value. <laughs> and this year I said fuck that I'm I'm flipping the entire thing upside down because every year one at least of those top five, top six running backs, at least one, if not two, sometimes three, will get hurt and ruin your season. Yeah. So this year I said, I'm going to go with safer bets. And I took wide receivers at the top uh, and quarterbacks for the first five rounds. I only took wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. I took Gronk a lot in the first round. Intense. And then for the next, like, four rounds, I just piled up mid-tier running backs with the idea that some of them would break out, and some of them did. Deion Lewis, Devontae Freeman have had awesome seasons and uh you know arian foster you pick up late now he's healthy he's running well again those kinds of things i did a lot of that i took instead of taking um demarco murray in the second round yeah i took ryan matthews in the 10th and they've been doing about the same damage well, ryan matthews was a bust for me when he was at the chargers a few years back but- he's been great and i honestly you know no, no disrespect to demarco <laughs> i love you know everybody on our team Ryan Matthews is running harder right now, uh, and I wish that he was, like, it's hard to say starting because the Eagles are kind of rotating three running backs in mm-hmm. all the time, but I would like to see Matthews get more touches than Murray at the moment. I got to ask you, man, how did you become such a big football fan? Because, you know, you're, you know, you're not exactly what I would call, like, if I looked at you walking down the street, no yeah. offense, I wouldn't say, that guy's definitely, like, a huge football fan. And, like, you know, not to say, like, punk rock is, like, necessarily doesn't go with football. But, like, there is sort of, like, it can be, the like, the antithesis I, of it. Yeah, you know? I loved football before I loved punk rock. Football was my first thing. I wanted to play football so, so bad. And, um... And I'm a dad. Where's my height? No, and I and I played, and I was undersized, and mm-hmm. uh, I played for a few years, and they eventually they put me at safety because I was quick and I was determined yeah. and I hit hard. But I... It got to a point where they were like, I, I sprained my neck, and they're like, you're just too small. You just got to stop. You're not putting on any weight. You had to play in, like, weight classes, and I was I was having oh, to yeah. play in, like, the 85-pound class because of my age, but I still only weighed 55 pounds. <laughs> and so it got to a point where they, I was just getting my fucking face smashed in. And so I had to give up that dream, and then around middle school, I found uh, punk rock and was like, well, I want to do this. this How is did you find punk do. rock? Um, I think... I, well, I kind of always... N- there's got to be some. There's always a story. Weird. It's found either a record or you found yourself like wandering into a show. Yeah. Well, found friend. is a weird thing because uh, my dad is a, a a young guy, and in the car we listen to Weezer and Beck and Nirvana <laughs> and the Replacements and the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, and that was kind of like I don't think that I really had ever like heard a full Beatles record until I was like tw- like nineteen. You know, like, or maybe 18. Yeah. A lot of people were like, oh, yeah, my parents loved the Beatles and, yeah. and Zeppelin, and my parents hated that shit. Crazy. Uh, my dad listened to, I mean, he also was big into, like, NWA and A Tribe Called <laughs> Quest. And, um, yeah, that's unique and so, for people our age, you know? Yeah. That's- and I, and Green Day, uh, you know, Dookie was one of my first favorite records, but I wasn't concentrated on music at that point. And in the eighth grade, 
my friend Robin was starting a band and he was like, I want a bass player. Do you want to learn how to play bass? And I agreed to learn how to play bass and started really falling in love with the genre. Um, and then eventually decided I want to be a singer, uh, which was an uphill battle because I was a god awful singer. No pitch, super, just really, really bad singer. Um, but, so what you made know, you want to become a singer? Was there a musician you were trying to emulate? Uh, or? I think that I just, I felt like I wasn't a musician. You know, like I wasn't a great bass player. I don't have great rhythm, but I, I love the medium of songwriting. Like yeah. as an art form, the yeah. story that you can tell with a song. And I felt like I was more of a performer and a songwriter and a storyteller than I ever was a musician. And so I just kind of needed an outlet for that medium. Uh, and so that kind of, I was just like, I would like to be the guy that gets to tell the story. I want to write the lyrics. That was really the crux of it is I want right. to write the lyrics. Yeah, because you're, I mean, knowing you as a dude for a few years now, that's kind of where, like, I don't look at you, you know, this is the, the podcast is called Lead Singer Syndrome, right? So I haven't got a chance yet to interview that real, like, decadent lead singer rock star that, like, you know, is like hooking up with chicks left, right, and center and, like, you know, fucking blow in the dressing room, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. I can't wait for that because that's going to be a lot of fun. But today is not that day. But today is not that day. And you are more of kind of like, you know, you used to be a teacher. That's, like, kind of what I get out of your vibe. You're, like, up there almost like it's this punk rock, like, class. Like, you want to teach people something. Is that that true or is that not true? It's I think that I want to say something. Um, and, And whether they... I don't... I think teaching can be... Um, I don't, I mean, what's the word I want to use for this? Not, I don't want it to seem like I know more than the people in our audience because I yeah. don't think that I do. Um, I guess I'm not saying, I don't, I guess I don't mean teach. I just mean you're, it's I want to express a to thought. Take something away yes. From it. I want to express, I want to express a thought and I want people to think about that. Whether they take something away from it or not, whether they agree with me or not is less important than the fact that they heard it and they internalized it and they thought about it. That's what's important to me. So, you know, a lot of times, especially on this new record, we're expressing a lot of opinions or we're bringing up a lot of topics that we think need talking about. And we're not telling you this is the right way to think about it. Think about it the way we think about it. It's not like, you know, we're not preaching. It's not brainwashy. Um, This is no propaganda. It's more here's a thing that maybe you weren't thinking about and maybe you could start thinking about it. Well, lyrically, I feel like you're the new record is quite a bit different from your old stuff. I don't know if you, if it's a conscious thing, but I feel like your new record has... It's less about things you're going through personally, maybe. Like, uh, maybe it's more about external things. Yeah, that's well, right. so, like, exactly. Like so, other uh, stories and... But we think that it's both. So what, what, I, what we really wanted to do was find that middle ground because what Wonder Year songs are, at their very core, the base of them, the root of them, they're personal. That's what makes us who we are, and that's what makes us the Wonder Years and not Silverstein and not State Champs and not You Blew It. All of those bands are incredible, but that's not us. So the, the, the crux of it was how do we maintain our individuality? How do we maintain our personality? What makes us us? And simultaneously write these songs that are dealing with these other topics. And so what we found were the topics that I was most concerned about, the topics I wanted to write about the most, there was a reason I wanted to write about each of them. And the reason was that they each personally affected me in my life. And so what I realized I could do was write a song on both a micro and a macro level. So on a micro level, these are events that have impacted me. But then what we like to think we did on this record was instead of staying on that micro level, 
some point in the song, we zoom out a little bit and uh-huh. you get kind of the macro and you understand the greater social construct that is influencing or caused those events to happen. But that's got to so have... That dialogue the, can open up. Yeah, but the reason that that happened has got to be because you're older... You're yeah. more comfortable in your skin and you're smarter to the point where, because when you're, you know, band's been around for almost 10 years now, right? So yeah. when you're like 20, let's say 21, it's a lot harder to, to zoom out and see the big picture when you're just kind of in your own head and be like, like, sure. I'm upset or this is my emotional response to where now it's more of an intellectual response. Would uh, that be accurate? There's definitely a, a thought with that. I mean, I'm not saying that. That's that's more for me. I think that you are right in your diagnosis of me. That at <laughs> 20, 22, 24, I was more selfish. I wasn't thinking about those issues. There are a lot of our fans that are 17 and already have a better understanding of an issue than I do at 29. Um, and so I'm not saying that everybody in that age bracket is that way. I'm saying I definitely agree with you. And there's a song on the record called I Don't Like Who I Was Then that is speaking directly to the idea that I was thinking selfishly and I wasn't thinking about the bigger picture at that age range. I do think that yep. also this record uh, is angrier. Um, a lot of people were talking about it being a sad record. We think of it as an angry record. There, There's these all of these things happening in the world that we were just fired up about and we just wanted to, to kind of go out and, and sing about. Absolutely, man. I get that vibe. I get that vibe. I want to talk about um, the show tonight because I'm playing. Yes, you <laughs> are. you graciously invited me to uh, join you uh, playing uh, solo. And it's kind of cool because I'm working on a solo project now. Uh, and I'm sure this it won't be launched yet when people hear this, but it's going to be launched very soon. And you're actually kind of one of the people I asked about this when I got it going. You remember that conversation we had? Very, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and because of the Aaron West stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was very interested in how you went from being like the you know, front man of a band... Uh, where there's like a lot of people, different people kind of controlling things that are happening to all of a sudden, hey, I want to do a solo thing where it's just me. I make all the decisions and all that. So I kind of wanted your take on it. And I'm yeah. interested in where you're at now with that and uh, uh, that well, project. There's a, as far as like where that project is, I'm currently writing a few more songs. I want to do a seven inch. We're trying to figure out how that happens right now logistically. But uh, I'm going to do it with Ace Enders again, who produced the record and yep. who... Uh, Early November, yeah. Yeah, who is basically the other member of the band. Oh, um, cool. To me. I, Ace refuses to think of it that way. He's like, this is I'm a producer and I'm doing what, I, mm-hmm. what a producer does, but he's such a humble guy and such a wonderful songwriter and a, an incredible musician and uh, just a warm person to know. He and is, so, yeah. Uh, that's just kind of his prerogative. But he, the, the band, the, the project wouldn't be the same without Ace. Uh, yeah. That said... What I think you're talking about, and, and I agree with you, is there's a little bit of an anxiety thing where you're like, well, it's six of us in the Wonder Years to make every decision, and now it's just me. And that can be really freeing. It's just like, if I want to do this thing, I'm going to fucking do it. And, like, nobody can stop me. If I want to play a show, I can just go do that in my Honda Civic. And, uh, and I don't have to ask anyone if they're free. You know, if I want to do a full band show, obviously, sure. I, I have to, but... I have the option of just going with a guitar and playing. Uh, if I want a merch design done, I don't have to have anybody okay it. If I, mm-hmm. you know, want to put out, a, or if I want to write some songs and put out a record, I just sit in my apartment and write some songs. Does it ever scare you though that like it's all since it's all your opinion? Like maybe you need somebody to bounce an idea That's off. That's what like, I was gonna say. Man, I think this shirt design's cool, and then I print it, and it's like. Everyone's like, that's the ugliest thing I've so ever that's, seen. So that's the difficulty then is that you don't have you lose like the the backup. You know what I yeah. mean? So like. 
if we're out of we're writing writing a Wonder Years song and we're stuck, well, there are six heads trying to figure out what the next part of that song yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. If I'm writing an Aaron West song and I'm stuck, it's like, well, I guess I'm done for the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess I'll play Madden. Fuck <laughs> me. Like, um, but I mean, I, I guess like venturing into this, it's scary because I'm in that process right now, and it's scary mm-hmm. figuring this stuff out. And as much as I do a lot of the writing and stuff and and stuff for Silverstein, when it's just me, I'm scared. And I wonder now, you've gone through this, you've done a record, quite successful, you know, acclaimed record. I think it's great. Thank you. Uh, and do you think that coming out of that, you're a lot more confident person after after going well, through that? And now I'm a more confident back into. I'm you know, a more confident musician uh, for sure. I really was a terrible guitar player before I started the Aaron West project, and. Uh, and I'm still not great, but like I play guitar on one of the songs that we do now with Wonder Years, where Matt gives me his guitar and goes and sits behind a second drum kit, and I feel confident enough to play that, whereas I would not have before this. Yep. I was more confident in helping with the songwriting, you know. Like I mean, we, Wonder Years. If there's anything they need, it's another guitar player. Oh yeah, we don't have enough of those. Well, it still remains at three uh, <laughs> when we do that song, but we add another drummer is the issue. Um, you know, and I felt more confident in helping with the songwriting, but as far as like. In general, it's it's such a different thing what what I do with Aaron West because it's a character piece, and I it's almost acting on stage. Or I like yeah. to think of, I like to think of it as kayfabe. I think of it everything in professional wrestling terms. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm kayfabing the crowd. So when I do the sets, it's not, hey, I'm Dan from the Wonder Years, and here are some songs about another guy's life. I sit down and I say, how's everybody doing? My name is Aaron West, and these gentlemen behind me are the Roaring Twenties, and and we play songs in character, and I and yeah. I. Uh, I know the story that the record took, you know, how this, the record worked because I, before I sat down to write the songs, I did a lot of storyboarding and journaling to break out, like, this is the entire story from front to back. This is what the record's going to be about. And then sectioning that off into songs. Yeah. And so there are all these details that didn't get included that I then use as the banter. So I get it. between yeah. songs, I use all those other details from the story that didn't make the actual songs. And so it's kind of a totally different experience to sit there, one, to have a guitar in my hands. Mm-hmm. And two, to to be in character while performing. But it's a, I mean, it's a real passion project, I guess, for you, right? And that's yeah. that's where it came from. Like, you had this idea. I, I read a little bit, like, some other interviews, and you said, like, oh, you know, I wanted to get a better guitar, and I started this, and originally it was just kind of going to be for fun, and then Ace sort of said, well, this is great. You should really run with this, and then you did run with it. Yeah. And now it's, like, almost like a second career for you it's like another source of income like is that something that's been important to you too like you got you got to split wonder let's yeah. be honest, like you got to split, split it six, six ways six ways um like was that you part know, of the, the thinking is, there when you were decided fuck i'm just gonna go for this well i i never thought that it would really do as well as it did which is awesome mm-hmm. and, a, and a testament to how wonderful wonder years fans are and, and how, also how open people were to hearing some other stuff from me yeah um but yeah it definitely like it's different now than i think it like when I was like listening to your band when I was in you know high school or, or early college, and people were buying records, things were like a little different. Um, they were financially, and I'm not saying that we don't do totally fine. You know, like I, I never miss a rent payment. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. uh, we're not starving artists. We're playing really great, really big shows, and we have really supportive fans, and everything is great. But it isn't the same as when bands existed in 2002 2004 that era we you know none of us own houses none of us can afford that kind of thing yet and we're we've been saving and and, and scrounging well, and trying to get there too it's hard in toronto yeah too. it's it's hard everywhere and um 
and it is. It's nice to have just, you know, when people buy an Aaron West shirt to know you gave me $20 and after the cost of good on that, the rest of this is going towards my bills, was going mm-hmm. towards someday owning a home for my family. I just got engaged and, you know, oh, congratulations. That's, the, that's the kind of thing that, you know, th- this can help me pay for this wedding because as well as we do with the Wonder Years, we're very certainly not wealthy people we make a, a normal middle class salary yeah. we make about what i would be making if i was teaching i think yeah i mean i think that that's important for people to understand it's i feel like most of the people that find out what we do they either think we're fucking millionaires or they think we're like fucking borderline oh, dude, homeless that's There's so no, no one seems to understand that like exactly I, like i live in toronto i my my rent is expensive but you know i make my payments every month I get a little bit extra. I can take a vacation once in a while, but I'm, you know, I have a car, yeah. but I don't have, you know, I'm not like living lavishly with, I, drive I don't a, have a Lamborghini. I drive know? a 2004 Honda Civic that I bought from my mom. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, uh, the keyless entry no longer works like the unlock fob thing. <laughs> um, got to take the key out in the cold. Yeah. And- it's like, uh, so, uh, now she works for anthropology, but before my, my fiance worked at J crew and she was the, uh, the assistant to the head of men's design, at their corporate office. And people were like, she was like, oh, my boyfriend's on tour. And they're like, oh, I starving artist. Yeah, gotta, so what does he do for work? So like, oh, no, so, he's, he's on tour. Yeah, so he's you have a- to, <laughs> oh, he's on tour. So you you have to pay all the bills. And she's like, what? No, like he does like, like here's a picture of him playing like yesterday in Sydney and in front of this. Yeah. Big I'm like, oh, so why do you work here then? Shouldn't you just be right. he's like, no, he's not. <laughs> rich either <laughs> just just People like everyone cannot else. wrap their heads around yeah. that yeah. Um, and I understand that because I couldn't do it either you know when I was 16 I thought damn I wonder what the get up kids mansions are like like oh, that yeah. was like wow. <laughs> I was like I wonder how many water slides they have <laughs> that's funny yeah no well there's it is funny though sometimes how you don't understand the, the differences between bands like when I would go to shows I remember going to see like Blink-182 at this venue um, in Toronto called the Cool Warehouse, Cool House it was called. Now it's torn down. Maybe you guys mm-hmm. played there. I don't know. I don't think so. And then so. I would go like the week later and I'd see like Lagwagon. So I, and I didn't understand that like Blink-182 literally had mansions and Lagwagon literally like, I mean, I probably did okay, but you know, they, yeah. it was, I, I just kind of put everyone on the same level and I never like no, really thought course. about it. If you were a national touring band, you were famous. That was the beginning, middle, end of it. If you opened the bill. Oh yeah. The opening, opening the bill is, is the, is the best yeah. example of that. Of, yeah. Of the opening oh, bands. Oh, they must do as well as the headliners. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, it's always what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess a couple things I want to talk about. I mean, right now your voice you've told me is hurting a little bit. It's a little fried. So we're going to cut this off a little short. Um, but did you have any problems on Warped Tour? Because you were doing two sets. You were doing the Aaron West and Wonder Years every single day. I, I did have a little bit of a problem, but not until I got sick. So uh, you and I talked yeah. about this a little bit. Well, one, Warped Tour is a little easier because the sets are shorter. Um, Except you never know what fucking time you're going to play. That's the truth. So that can really throw off your pattern. Really. But uh, as far as doing two sets, it, it did start to bother me a little bit. And, uh, and so I went to the pharmacy and they, they prescribed me uh, a steroid pack because my throat was so swollen. Mm-hmm. And I lost my goddamn mind. I, I just, I had never really taken steroids for anything before. And they were like, like Min, uh, who works on Warped Tour, is like the tour, yeah. like, uh, like nurse practitioner. Or I don't actually know her title, but she, she yeah. takes care of you, right? She was like, oh, they prescribed you this steroid. 
uh, if you get real sad or angry, know that that's why. Holy shit. And I was, like, freaking out, like, getting in arguments with people, like, in, in our band and other bands, like, punching things, slamming things. That's weird for you, too, because you're, in like, a, you're a pretty... You're a fairly even-keeled dude, and you don't drink or anything. No. You're a straight-edge dude, so... And I couldn't figure out why I was so upset, but I was so upset. Like, deeply, deeply sad and angry and, like, acting erratically on stage. In Baltimore, I climbed a tree and jumped out of it at the end of the night and just... <laughs> I just didn't know what to do with all of the... And then I was like, oh, it's the steroids. Uh, Man, I can't believe that that would have that effect. Like You know, and Kennedy uh, hurt his wrist right before this tour, and they gave him a steroid pack, and he said he's feeling the exact same way. He's snapping at people. Yeah, he tried to fight me in the venue earlier. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, Kennedy's even more of like a peaceful dude than I am. He is, yeah. I think, um, I think he told me after Warp Tour ended he was going to go on some like retreat in like yeah. you know, the North Pacific Northwest Yeah, or he something. just goes like, he's going to go hiking camp yeah. with my dog and my fiance yeah. for whatever, how all our long, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go hike Machu Picchu. Like Okay, but you're gonna be okay. Your voice is okay tonight. Yeah, you're gonna get gonna through be, the show. It should be um, fine. One of the reasons I enjoy doing this podcast so much is that I get to bring brand new music, great music, right into your ear holes. And today I've got something super new and awesome. A brand new band called Best Case. Super, super new. Hailing from Atlanta, Best Case could best be described as blending emo, pop punk, and alternative with a touch of nostalgia, but of course, I'm gonna let you decide. Here is a clip from their debut single, Heavy Seas. There it is. Great stuff. And check out the very emotional video for the song on YouTube as well. The whole album is out July 12th. Make sure you follow the band on whatever streaming service you use as well because you do not want to miss it. It's produced by Zach Odom and Kenneth Mount, Mayday Parade and Cartel. And the band also features drummer Ben Cato, known for his work in his previous band, The Dangerous summer we love them around here so go check out best case it's brand new you heard it here first and thank me later head over to bestcase.band for links to everything or simply search for best case wherever you get your music What I want to bring up, which is interesting, again, the lead singer syndrome thing, is the reason I'm playing tonight is I'm filling in, taking some time away from Motion City Soundtrack, who would be there 
except their singer won't do five shows in a row. I think it's six shows in a row. You can't six do in a six. Row. Can't do six in a row. So they bailed off the show tonight in Toronto. Well, they didn't bail. They, they were uh, never on it. They were never. Yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah, they, well, the, they the, couldn't do it. Right. So every singer and and you and I both know this. Everyone knows their their own body, right? Sure. And everyone knows what they can and can't do and their limitations. And everyone is different. So for me, we booked the tour with this specific plan in mind. It was two shows. And then I need a day off. At the beginning of a tour, I can do two, maybe three if I'm lucky. Yep. And then I need a day off. And then after that day off, if nothing goes wrong, I'm good for up to six shows, sometimes seven in a row. That's pretty much the schedule I'm on. I like only a few at the beginning because uh, a lot of people think uh, when you're a singer, as the tour goes on, it's harder. Like, it makes sense. You'd be more tired. It's actually, for me, it's the opposite. Easier. I get stronger as I yeah. go. Easier. The only two things that can throw a wrench in that, and like I said, Warp Tour, one of the things that happened was I got sick. Yeah. And if I get sick, that's that. Yeah. The other thing is the, the manufactured fog that they sometimes pump into venues. There's yeah. a bunch of different kinds of that. And, like, we have one for this tour that shoots up, and it's, like, it's literally gone the second you stop pressing the button. <laughs> I don't know what it's made of. It kind of smells a little nice, um, but it doesn't hang in the air. Then there's the other kind where they fill the venue with it that hangs heavy in the air. And I don't, everyone, always, all the, every light guy in the world would be like, no, dude, it's water-based. It's not hurting your throat. It hurts my throat. It really does. Yeah. And it was in the yeah. venue last night. And um, it always gives me a sinus headache above my right eye. <laughs> you have a specific spot. It's, it's right here. Okay. Uh, okay. And it kind of goes back over my temple. Um, I'll always get that when there's too much fog in the room and it dries my throat out. And uh, throughout the night, I'll notice I'm having trouble singing. And then the next day, I'll really struggle. And so last night, the venue is pumped full of it. And um, the, it can be water-based. I don't know what it I is. Don't know. I don't know what I don't the base like, of it is. I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't like the smoke. I don't like it. Um, and I don't and really you, care about looking cool. Like People are like, but it looks the, the lights are going to look so much cooler. And I'm like... We're not Def Leppard. <laughs> no, I you're don't not. Really care? Uh, well, that's that's another thing. I I um, I always wonder because yeah, like sometimes we'll pay f like all this fucking money to bring out lights, light package, a lighting guy, and some s people don't understand how much space lights take up. Oh yeah, it's so, our whole like, trailer. Yeah, we, take this up the, the first trailer. We've sometimes ever brought we them have out. to rent trailer space from another band. Uh, one time we almost rented a truck, but that that would have just been suicide on the financial side. Yeah. People don't understand like what goes into putting on putting on a show. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I didn't give a fuck about no. what uh, if there were lights or whatever. I never we, cared about. We that. brought I them out. The this song. is the first time we've ever brought out a lighting package, and we've actually gotten a lot of compliments on it. Yeah. Uh, Summers is actually running it, uh, yep. and it's his first time ever. The show in New York that opened the tour was his first show ever running lights. He's doing an awesome job with it, and it does look cool. It does. Yep. But it is secondary to me to how what songs we play and how we play them. We thought we should try and add something new, and we're excited about how it looks. But again, I don't think it's a necessity, and I think that a lot of uh, people kind of get in their own head about, okay, we need a click track, we need backing tracks, we need in-ear rigs, we need lights, we need uh, amp mo like what is it called uh, amp modeling things. Mm -hmm. We need this whole thing with dummy cabs this whole production I mean the thing about the Wonder Years is that because we started by playing VFWs and basement shows and YMCA's so did Silverstein that you could roll us into somebody's floor and there could be no monitor and the worst PA system in the world and we can still play our set yeah uh, we don't need any of that shit well that's I mean in Silverstein it's nice too, to have some of it but we don't need it yeah I mean I, I think as, as funny as this is to some people and I mean 
I think, you know, Silverstein and Wonders were more on the same level in terms of like a punk rock band and where we come from yeah. and what we believe than maybe people would say because our music is different, you know, and sure. And stuff. And, and, but, but it's the same and thing. Different with us. people will tell us both how not punk we are. The, the only thing we, <laughs> which well, is fine. <laughs> the only thing we do, we do play to a click track. Yeah. Uh, we would never, Silverstein will never use backing tracks. Uh, I think that stuff's fucking disgusting. Well, and I don't ever mind if um, people, if like, you know, if it adds something to your show and it sounds cooler, it sounds better. I don't have any problem with anybody doing anything. They do them. It's uh, it's kind of an isolationist thing for me. We do us. Everybody else can do whatever they want. And I'm never going to complain about it or anything. Uh, the point that I'm making isn't that that's, that it's wrong or bad or, or whatever. It's just that we don't. I don't know. We never needed it. Like, mm -hmm. I remember a show. We played the Glamour Kills Holiday Fest, and it was funny because we were, like, headlining it. And uh, we rolled up, and all these bands were loading out their, their in-ear rig, their, yep. their tracks, these, like, laptops, all these matching things. And at the time, we didn't even have – we didn't have, like, matching cabs. We had, like, these old beat-up cabs. We rolled up in our van and trailer. The trailer is literally held together by ratchet straps <laughs> because our, our driver on Warped Tour had jackknifed it and broke it, and we couldn't <laughs> afford a new trailer. So around the outside of the whole thing was one long ratchet strap. And when we undid it, all the panels flip up in the air. We drop our trailer door, and we're, like, loading in all these beat-up amps and, and all this shit. And uh, the one band was like, oh, you guys the locals? And we're like, oh, we're actually headlining. <laughs> it's just like, we just, that's just it's what we know. It's a nice little know. fuck you, though, you know? It's just like, what we know is is shitty. Like, we're shitty. Like, we're, we just don't care. We, we... We don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, we not not in like a bad way, not in like a we don't want to sound good way, but in, in like a, but it's none important. of the status things matter to no, us. It's, but I think your band, almost the anti-status, is almost important for what you do because you're up there, like you're like a real dude. You know, you're not putting on a fucking wardrobe when you go on stage. You just said, I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. I, I want to sound better, and I want to play the songs I want to play. I don't really care what I, how I look. I wear the same shirt on stage every day because why fuck up two shirts? Yeah. you know, or three I mean, shirts or four shirts. Like and and <laughs> you know, you are like very much on that side. Uh, there's people like, you know, some people I'm going to interview that are going to be very much on the other side, and I'm like somewhere in the middle, and uh, and that's fine. But it, th this podcast is about how we all so many people can do the same thing the same job essentially but people can do it in so many different ways yeah i kind of feel what you're saying and the thing is i actually think that sometimes that that shit can be dope like uh like the huge show we watched paramore we played a show at paramore at tcnj and it was one of the coolest shows i've ever seen like it it's just kind of about what's right for your band and i think f we know it's right for us and we try new things and we add little bits and pieces um and we know what wouldn't work for us, and so we stay away from it, and, and some of it we just don't give a shit about. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. At the end of the day, we're here to we're here to play songs, and we're here to play them fast and loud, and and mm -hmm. have a good time while we do it. And absolutely, man. Uh, you guys did this split seven inch with Motion City Soundtrack. Sure, I guess yeah. it was like a like kind of a promo thing for this tour. Yeah, it was on. supposed to be. And uh, it actually ended up. It is so cool. Tell the people what you guys did because I love the idea so much. Yeah, there was a delay in the pressing, which is why we don't actually have it on tour. We had to sell it online, oh, okay. and it's all sold out now. Um, but I've had this idea forever, um, and it came to me with the thought that, like, oftentimes rappers will rap on each other's beats, and I always thought that that was sick. But there's really no equivalent to that in our world. Yeah, and so. And it's hard to do because once you hear a song, 
the it's melody in your head and the forever, lyrics are, yeah. are forever there. So we had this kind of golden opportunity with Motion City. They said we want to do a split for the tour. Let's think of something cool. And I was like, I already know. You guys have a record coming out. We have a record coming out. You've never heard ours. We've never heard yours. So I want you to take a song. Instrumental. And, and strip the vocals off. Yeah. Yep. Give me just the instrumental. And we're going to give you a song the same way. Having never heard our song and having us never heard your song, Justin and I were set with the task of we're going to write our own lyrics and our own melodies. I'm going to tell you the song oh, title. Oh, lyrics too. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the song title. Only the song title. Okay. That's all you get. And from just that song title, create your own lyrics, write your own melodies, record it. And then we'll be able to hear each other's songs. So it was cool for me. And what I wanted to do for it was uh, take scrapped lyrics from the record and put together a song from those. So there are a ton of lyrics, and I'm sure you have this too. You have a lot of lyrics and a lot of lines that don't end up getting used in the record, and they kind of mm -hmm. go into a scrap pile. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to pull from them and, and work out a song out of those lyrics that didn't get used so that in a way it felt lyrically like an extension of our record. And, uh, and then specifically, I ended up writing something that answered Cardinals from the other perspective. So in Cardinals, I'm saying, if you call me back or let me in, I swear I'll never let you down again. And then this song is the character, the subject of Cardinals answering back, well, where were you when I needed you? Um, and so I think that's kind of a cool way, yeah. you know, uh, to work that out. And so it, it ended up being lines that went unused on the record, a lot from the original draft of Cardinals that then got flipped into a song answering that song. That's a cool way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so you've heard, so this is all done. So you've heard his version. Yeah. And what was your take on it? Like, did, did he, was it anywhere near the same as, cause I haven't heard the songs. Were they anywhere near the same as your your uh, vision or was his yeah. like well, okay. so off the wall for you? Uh, certain things were really off the wall. So what kind of, one of the things that'll happen though is that, so you're, you're already, there's a song that exists there. So you're locked into a tempo, you're locked into a key signature, you're locked into a chord progression. So what you're able to do is no longer infinite, right? So he has to do something and there are cues we get as songwriters. It's like, okay, the hi-hat's close and the guitars are clean and the bass is low. I should probably sing down the octave. Okay, we're on the crash symbol, we're, we're on the ride symbol, and the guitars are distorted and everything's loud. Right. I should probably sing up the octave. Those or, kinds or of things like, where, like, and this is good for people that like, are trying to write vocal like uh, melodies and shit. It's like you got to decide too. Like, am I going to come on the downbeat, or yeah. am I going to? Is there going to be? Am I going to come in on the vocal on the offbeat? Yeah. And, like, or is there where, like like structuring the, the phrases? Like where yeah. did, was it, was his. Uh, was his and yours similar to so each the, other? So the that phrasing way? in the verses was similar, but what's interesting is there's an instrumental break in the song that we had as just an instrumental break that he, hearing the song, read as this is probably the chorus, and so he wrote a part over that that we didn't sing over, and then over a part that we had as the chorus, he has this like kind of an out chorusy part, and then during the bridge where I'm singing, he decided to do a spoken word part where I told him the song was called a song for Patsy Cline, and he found the art like the news article that announced her death and reads it so and cool. it's this cool spoken word yeah. part over the bridge so he did some really creative things with it but it's interesting just to hear like and you know i did kind of the same thing with their song it was like oh i didn't realize this was the chorus i just started singing here like oh you yeah. did a pick up here i didn't even think to do that i would love to be a part of some kind of project like it's that. really like cool if, if you could do if you know if somebody had us just a melt like a, a, a instrumental track and gave it to I'd love to hear like give it to 10 singers I want to hear what 10 different guys yeah. would do or um, girls would do 
you know, uh, Chris on that. Farron did a cool thing similarly, and I think it was with Tim from Cursive, but I might be getting that wrong, where they each wrote a song, and then they sent each other the chords and the lyrics, but nothing else. Not the time signature, not the tempo, not the feel, not the melody. Just here are the lyrics and here are the chords and record a version of it. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah, because um, those songs would be very similar, I think. Yeah, right? I think... Because uh, the chords and the lyrics, I mean, the melody will change, but the songs... It can't get too it far away, it but can't. it's going to be a rendition of it, which is neat. Yeah, I remember when I, I really was younger, like Oasis did something where they took the sheet music from their new record and just gave the sheet music to a bunch of New York City subway music musicians and just said, just play this song. And they got a bunch of different versions of it that way. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Um, you had a great fucking debut on that record. That new record was top 10. Super proud of that. Yeah, we worked very hard for that. Um, Are you guys sticking around on Hopeless? Uh, I don't know. Um, you finish your that contract was, now? That is, is the last, the last record, record for Hopeless, okay. and you know we have a great relationship with them, so that is definitely a possibility. They're terrific. Um, we did Silverstein. We did uh, two records, signed to two records with them, and then we actually ended up doing an extra one uh, with them. And they're they're terrific to work. Yeah, with. Yeah, they're really great to work with. And so it's just going to be about we don't you know it's at a point right now where for the first time ever we are no longer in. A, we've never been free agents, really. Yeah. You know? Um, and so we're just in the position to just kind of be like, okay, we love what we have at Hopeless. Is there something that fits what we're looking for more or less? Or, you know, like, are there other ideas out there? It's sure. the kind I of mean, thing where, I mean, like, it's almost like I, I bring everything back to football. But it's almost like, okay, you love the team you're playing for. You love the system you're playing in. You love the coach. There's a really good chance you're going to re-sign with that team but you should at least hear what other people have to say about it, right? Yeah. So we'll Take listen some to some dinners. Com- yeah. Get them we'll to d- wine and dine yeah. you. There's no question uh, that we'll listen to some conversations. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's good too, and I think it's good to uh, always be thinking what is coming next because th- this fucking industry is changing so rapidly all the time. That's for sure. And especially yeah. with how, how, you know, there's the streaming stuff and all that. Like, it's making things really, like, changing everything up so much. Not to mention there's so many of the, like, global markets that you got to think about, like, what labels have the best international stuff? Yeah, and, and Hopeless has a wonderful becoming, international team, do, which is great. They do. They do. Like, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, I know all those guys. Yeah, super we well, have a so. ton of ton of great stuff to say about Hopeless. I think that a lot Terrific. of times, like, you know, you heard about, you would hear about like Bayside or whatever at the end of their deal with like Victory, and they were like, "Oh, thank fucking God, we're out." Well, hey, you know, we were and there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've heard things from you yeah. too about it, and you know, and, and other labels like that that have just been like, you know, and I'm sure not every band on those labels had those same experiences, but there are times where labels and bands have a really um, seriously, like aggressive relationship with each other. Yeah, vehemently don't like each other. Yeah, well, we with, like hopeless. We like Ho- we like hopeless too. We we're on Rise Records now. We we um we moved on, and it was nothing to do with hopeless and how they uh, how they treated us. Definitely, they were terrific. Uh, you know, or how they they knew how to sell records, and they were great to work with. It was just for our band. We felt like. We need to keep moving. We need to keep progressing all the time, and that's yeah. why we ended up. So yeah, we. I mean, like I said, so we really like Hopeless. There's yeah. no like animosity there at all. Uh, the relationship is really great. So there's a really good chance that we'll just stay on Hopeless. But sure. there's also, you know, it, that doesn't mean for anything sure. could happen. Anything could happen. You know, uh, we were thinking about maybe signing a Bad Boy. Bad um, Boy, yeah. Yeah, I think that Diddy's got a lot of really good ideas and. Um, you know, just interested to see what he's got to say. I'll tell you, man, a Diddy verse on uh, the next Wonder Years record would be Diddy, if sick. you're listening to this, you can email me anytime. Okay. I've been expecting it. We'll make sure. We'll get some, uh, as long as he sends me a couple cases of that vodka, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. 
Does Diddy make a vodka? Yeah. Is he still Diddy? Uh, I don't know what that <laughs> He might not <laughs> no even be Diddy anymore. The, the funniest story I ever heard about Diddy, well, it's not the funniest, but it's a story that's related to me personally. My brother-in-law w- works in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, and he, I guess he does like some special event coordination. And I guess it was some Chinese billionaire's uh, birthday. So they had all these celebrities come. And uh, it was like the most lavish like party ever. And Diddy was there. And Diddy like went up to make like a speech for um, for the guy's birthday. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, and my vodka. I can't remember what the what the vodka is called. But he's like, and everybody here gets a shot of my vodka. Everybody, you know. And, they, and then my my uh, brother was like, fuck. How many cases do we have? Ah, we don't even. We have three bottles. What are we gonna do? Yeah. So he spent the whole night like calling around all every favor in Las Vegas to try to get this fucking all this sh- vodka. shitty vodka because all of a sudden he's like, could you just give us a heads up? Yeah, maybe so, just tell me when you're going to give away cases of vodka. Yeah, right. So, I don't know, man. But um, it's been nice talking to you. I know your voice is hurting, so we will, uh, we'll cut this short. But uh, hopefully the fantasy football continues to uh, be great for you. And yeah. the voice comes back, and the tour is awesome. And Thank you, man. I'm excited to hear you play tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty nervous, dude. Like, I did some shows on Warp Tour, you know, the acoustic basement. yeah. yeah. Where you get like a few hundred in there, maybe max, a couple hundred. Yeah. This is going to be a big show in my own hometown. And my all my friends are like, my friends are all huge Wonder Years fans. Oh, that's very nice. So of I was like, yeah, I got like 10 guest list spots. My friends were like, we already have tickets. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, so they're all going to be here. So it's going to be Fuck like, yeah. a, I'm a little nervous about it, but. Uh, I'm sure I, you'll kill it. You're I a consummate appreci- professional. Well, thank you, man. And I appreciate you uh, you asking me and inviting me to do the show. It's uh, We're excited to have you. It's going to be special. Cool, man. Well, thank you for doing this with me. All right. It's Lead Singer Syndrome. That's what it is. With Dan Soupy Campbell. That's who I am. Peace out. Later. So there it was, my conversation with Dan Soupy Campbell of The Wonder Years. Um, I guess I should maybe talk a little bit about the solo stuff. Um, (laughs) I haven't made any official announcements, but people keep asking me, and I'm sure they'll ask me even more. So yes, something is coming. Yes, it will be fairly soon. And yes, it's awesome. So keep your uh, ear to the ground about that. And uh, next week, we have another amazing podcast. So please subscribe, and we'll see you next Monday. That's when the next episode will be up. I'll leave you with one of my favorite Wonder Years songs. This is Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks a lot. Peace and love. (laughs) 